my heart as I was praying this week for, for every one of you um, and really trusting that I get emotional because there's so much more for you. I, I really felt the heart of God tonight and during this week as I've been praying for you that, that you would not miss out on what God has for you. That you would taste and see that the Lord is good. Not for somebody else, but for you. And I don't know where you are tonight, but God does. And so it's, <laughs> Wednesday night was, was an awesome uh, time together as we met as, as churches and across the world. And we saw what God is doing. And, and uh, we saw that prophetic word that Andrew shared um, about God just thrusting people forward. And, and pushing us into the more of God and how God's growing His church. You know that, that when we went into COVID, we were 27 churches. And now I think, as we said, we're going 43 or 44. Do you know we've almost doubled? <laughs> churches are closing their doors, but Josh Jen is growing. Because we don't hold back. We don't step back. We don't sit back. We don't, we don't stop. We say, God, wherever you want us to go, we will go. Whatever you want us to do, we're going to do. And it's so exciting to see what God is doing amongst us. But I really felt that, as, as Jody was sharing, that, that the time is now. I really feel there's an urgency for us as, individual, as individuals and as believers in this time that the train is leaving the station. And you know, when a train, you, if, for those of you who have traveled on trains, it does, it's not like a Ferrari that goes from 0 to 103 seconds, but it, it starts to move slowly. And I think, um, you know, as, as young kids, when we, when we used to go to town uh, and catch the train with my mother, it's like, you, yeah, let, don't, let, let it run a little bit. We want to run, and then we, we want to jump on, and it was sort of was quite fun. But you know what I really felt is that God is saying that the train is starting to move, and some of you are saying, oh, I'll get on later. You know, there comes a time when the train is moving too fast, and you can't get on, and you're going to get left behind in what God is doing. And it's going to be very difficult for you to catch up. I don't want any one of us in this room to be in that position. And so I really felt the weight of the Word of God that God's put on my heart tonight. And, and uh, Brad, uh, he started preaching on, on Wednesday, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but oh, yes, at the same time, because I, I really felt this Word was, was right for now and what God was doing us. And then he started preaching half my message. And I was thinking, okay, well, at least maybe I can hear God, but don't steal all of my scriptures and all of what I want to say otherwise. I'm just going to be a mouthful of teeth. But I thank God, like if you're like me, by Wednesday, we've, by Friday, we've forgotten everything that what happened. <laughs> I could prove it. If I ask you exactly what he said, some of you go, um. <laughs> no, I know, I know it goes in and God's, God's, uh, God speaks to us. Well, stand with me as we pray. And let's agree together for God to do something in this place tonight in our lives. Father, we just... We're so grateful that you're doing such a mighty work in our lives. Father, we thank you that you're growing your church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We, Lord, we thank you that you're in this place and that you're moving in our hearts, you're moving in the worship, you're stirring us up, God. And Father, we just, we just want to say that come and have your way in our lives tonight, Lord. And Lord, may, as the table is laid before us, Lord, may our responses we come to eat be the response of obedience and whatever you say to our hearts tonight, Lord, that we would say tonight, maybe we've said no for months, but tonight we're going to say yes. Tonight is when we say yes. No matter what you're calling us to do, no matter what you're calling us to step into God, tonight we say yes. 
So let's posture our hearts, Lord. May we posture our hearts to say, God, tonight we want to put you first. And tonight we say yes. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, I have a few favorite movies. And um, uh, there, there's a particular scene in a particular movie that really inspired me as a, as a young guy. We, we, when I um, went to Bible college uh, many, many, many years ago, um, the, the movie Braveheart came out. But uh, in, in our Bible college, you, it was crazy. I mean, we, you, we weren't allowed out much. It was like... I felt like sometimes I was in prison. <laughs> we, I went to Cape Theological Seminary and it was actually American Bible College and we had a pastor. It was Pastor Graham. And Pastor Graham said that a pastor should never be seen in shorts on the beach because a man's knees will cause a lady to stumble. <laughs> Definitely not mud. <laughs> but he was a very conservative guy. Very conservative. So... He was never seen on the, on the beach, no matter how, it could have been 40 degrees, Pastor Graham wore long pants. Because he didn't want to cause any of the ladies to stumble. <laughs> Nowadays, it's just completely the other way around. But um, so we, we, uh, we were there from Monday till Friday night. And uh, oh, it was a killer. Friday night, we just wanted to go home. But we had chapel on Friday night. We had a whole week of Bible college and training, and we, we, we had chapel. And, but I had a plan. Because a friend of mine had the exact same car as the president of the college. And, uh, and we heard this Braveheart movie was coming out and we, we decided there's no way. We, we are sneaking out of here and we are going to see Braveheart. And um, we, well, I called my friend. He came in and everybody thought, oh, it was weird. We just saw Pastor Graham's come in. Then he yeah, no, now he's coming back in again. Where did he go? But anyway, we managed to get in the car. And, uh, and we went to Sunlam Center, and uh, we went to see Braveheart. <laughs> yeah, Sunlam, Sunlam Center was still pretty cool back then. Um, was still safe. <laughs> um, and we went to see the movie, and I'm going to play a little clip. But, you know, when you're young, you think you're in, in, uh, in, indestructible. And, um, and so what happened is we got away with it. We, we went out to see the movie, and oh, this seemed pretty easy. We got in the car, snuck out. And um, the one weekend, we had a guest speaker coming from, from uh, America, coming to speak to us. We had a bit of a conference. And uh, we had a long week of evening uh, meetings every single night. And so we were pretty tired. And, and there were four of us decided, no, we're going to go. We're going to go to the Spur in Tableview. And, um, and so one of the guys was in his last year. And he was an honest, honest student. And uh, we decided, no, I called my friend up and said, listen, don't you want to, I'll pay for your meal. Come pick us up. We want to go to the Spur. And so we snuck out of the Bible college and we went to Tableview Spur. And, and this, this, this graduate who was graduating at the end of the year, he didn't do this kind of stuff. So he was like, he was super nervous. He was like, guys, guys, I'm going to lose my salvation. <laughs> if they find me now, it's over. I'm never going to see a day of ministry. And anyway, so we, we went into the spur walking up, but we sent him first, lambs to the slaughter. We were training up for, you know, the, 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 the warfare that awaited him. Anyway, by this time, he was very happy, and he was skipping, and he was, oh, this is nice just to be out of prison for a while. Little did we know that the spur was Pastor Graham's favorite place to take his guest speakers. <laughs> so what happened was... Um, 
This guy's name was Kevin, and, and, and he, he was so excited. He was out of jail. He, he ran up those stairs, and he walked into the, the little alleyway between the tables. And as we walked up, um, myself and my friend, out of the corner of our eyes, thought, those faces look terribly familiar. Kevin was so happy, he just kept on walking until he was right beside. And he, looked, he, he turned around, and he looked, oh, where are the guys? We'd run out of the spur by then. And he turned around, and there was Pastor Graham sitting right there, and he screamed like a girl. And he ran right out of there. <laughs> so we'd been caught. And um, I don't know where I'm going with the story, but maybe it's, maybe it's about the, 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 the fact is that your sins will find you out. But anyway, we'll get to the movie part. But So what happened was um, we obviously got found out, and uh, I never really liked the, poor Jack, the, 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 the Jackson 5. But, so our punishment was is that there was a lot of poor Jacksons in the college. And so I didn't join the Jackson, the Jackson 5, but, but we joined the, the poor Jackson 5. Um, okay, so... When we graduated, okay, that's, I don't know why it's stretching it like that, but that's, that's me on the, on the right-hand side, and we had to dig Paul Jackson's out for about, uh, I think it was about three months, every, every afternoon. <laughs> so, I don't know what that has to do with my topic tonight, but I thought it was a good story anyway. Um, okay, back to the movie. So, so um, Bravehearts. There's a clip in this movie, and I think it's really going to set the tone for what I, I really feel I want to share with you guys tonight, and... Um, Dennis, if maybe you can play that. Play that now. You guys will remember this part if you've seen the movie. Turn it up a bit. The Almighty says this must be a fashionable fight. It's drawn the finest people. Where is thy salute for presenting yourselves on this battlefield? I give you thanks. This is our army. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. This is your army. Why does it go? We didn't come here to fight for them. Oh, the English are too many. Sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. <laughs> I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. Free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Alright? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Yeah! 
can do that thing with fireballs. But, um. <laughs> so that was such an inspiring um, talk when we watched it, just about um, standing up for, for God and, 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 and getting in the fight. And so when Brad came with a message on, on, on Wednesday, he, he spoke about, if you guys can remember, about standing firm in the things of God. And what I felt God upon my heart to, to share with us, and I don't claim to be a, a great preacher or anything, but I really hope that what is on my heart will really come through tonight and that God will, will speak to you. It's really is, it's about this. It's about standing up and standing up to fight. And so I want to read this to you, and I want you to maybe just close your eyes. And I want you to think about these words, and maybe you'll find yourself in them. And it's, it's really, it's called, If I Were the Devil... And it goes like this, if I were the devil, I would assemble my minions and my demons in my strategy room and I'd give them your phone number, your picture, your email, and I would review them with your weaknesses one by one. I'd tell my staff about your struggles with doubt, how I had you convinced that the Bible was just a word, just words on a page. So if I were the devil, I think I would try to take your joy. I would try to load you with so much anxiety and fear and dread and trepidation. I know that I can't touch your salvation because you're a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, and no one can snatch you from his hands. I can't take your salvation, but boy, I can take the spring from your step and the sleep from your night and the love from your relationships. So if I were the devil, I might pour a truck of guilt on you. And I would... Every time you step forward in faith, I would remind you of the times you fell, the times you stumbled just last week or just two decades ago, and I'll just keep the scrapbook of sin circulating in your mind, and I would whisper, do you think there's really enough grace in the world to cover what you've done? I would leave you just in the shadow of doubt, and if that didn't work, I would try what seems to be the most popular tool of the day, and that's distraction. I would post my minions in every corner, every stairwell, every office, and they would load you with things to do, people to see, tasks to complete, sales to make, one thing after another. Do this, do that. Even if, and even if you came home, and even, even if you did come home, you would come home exhausted. Distraction, busyness, clutter, hurry, catch another flight, write another report, hurry, hurry, hurry. I would keep you distracted by what you read, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, for hours and hours living life through a screen. I would keep you so busy that you would never have time for the word, word of God. I would keep you so busy, B-U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. I would keep you so afraid, so insecure, so helpless, so out of control, so lost, so overwhelmed, so full of shame and guilt. If I were the devil, I would make sure that you never read this verse. And if you want to look at me with Revelations 12 verse 11, it says this. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. This is the one scripture that I think Satan fears the most. In Luke 10 verse 17 to 19, it says this. And the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you the authority, you, 
That's every one of us here. I've given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you or to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so really, where does our, our, our confidence come from? I think it's, it's, it's three things. It's knowing who we are, whose we are, and who is behind us. You see, when I was very, very young, well, not very young, even before I was born, I was basically a product of a one-night stand. And um, uh, my, my mother, biological mother, fell pregnant. And, and at that time, she couldn't look after me, so she gave me up for adoption. And I uh, was adopted by two wonderful parents who tried their best. But the brokenness in their lives filtered down into mine. And, um, you know, my father wasn't one who, who would say, I love you, or, or very affirming. And so as a young boy, I struggled to know who I was. You know, I, I felt for a long time growing up that I'm just a mistake. I'm not really supposed to be here. What is my purpose? I used to look at people way more successful than I. I, and I had uh, uh, learning disabilities where I struggled with reading and spelling, which didn't help and feeling insecure, and so I had to go to media school and, and just layer after layer of, you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough, who are you, you're not even really supposed to be here, because I didn't know who I was, whose I was, and who was behind me, because I didn't get that affirmation from, from a fatherly figure that I needed so desperately, and so I started looking for it in other places, um, but thank you, Jesus, that he called me, and, I, and uh, I found myself with a friend of mine in, in, in church. And slowly but surely, God started to do a healing work in my life. But because I was so broken um, and so desperate for meaning and so desperate for affirmation, as I started to do things for God uh, rather than just be who he called me to be. And uh, I spent my life doing instead of just being in him. And I think a lot of us can find ourselves in those situations. So it's so important for us to know Whose we are. And in Isaiah 43 verse 1 it says, But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you my name. You are mine. And uh, what I really want in, in your heart tonight is for that scripture to really sink in, is that God has called every single one of you by name. You are not overlooked. Who, who are we? Romans 8, verse 8, Romans 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 31 to 39 says this. And what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For, for who did, for he, sorry, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or disease or persecution or, fame or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is such an important scripture, such a key scripture. You know, the lies of the enemy are, are so deceptive. And I know in many times in my life where you've been feeling down and you feel like you failed, and he, comes, and he comes and just brings these things in your mind saying, you're not good enough. You'll never make it. You'll never get past this. You'll never break out, break out of that. And I really feel tonight that God is one to, reminding, one to remind every one of us that we are more than conquerors through him who gives us strength. And that scripture which says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. And I think part of us as, uh, as overcoming as Christians in this life is that we need to have current testimonies. Not what God did 10 years ago or we got saved 20 years ago, what it means, but what is God doing now? When the, when the enemy comes in and lies and says, you're no good, God's not doing anything, you say, no, this is what he did in my life this week. This is what he's doing in my life today. The word of their testimony, I am bought by the blood of the Lamb. I have forgiven, I am set free. I am a child of God. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I know who is behind me. This is a great picture. Who is behind us? Do you think that little lion cub is afraid of anything? You see, the enemy comes into our lives when you're going through difficult times and he says, you're alone. No one's around. Nobody cares. Nobody's thinking about you. You're on your, you're on your own. You're weak, you're vulnerable, you don't stand a chance. That little cub fears absolutely nothing because there's a God that stands behind you and wants to give you the victory that is yours. You see, perspective is everything. And I really feel that, that as we're growing as a church and as we're moving on, that the enemy is coming in and, 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 and he's causing us to see things certain ways. You know, we've come out of COVID, well, hopefully coming out of COVID. We've been in a rough time over the last two years where it's just fear, 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 fear. Don't leave your house. Don't hug. Don't get too close. Don't step out. Keep away. Don't fellowship. It's just fear, fear, fear all the time. And it affects us in our thinking. I know it's affecting me. It's, hold us, it's holding us back. But God is calling us to stand and fight. Tonight he wants to remind us of who is behind us. And we no longer need to listen to the lies of the enemy. Perspective is everything. David and Goliath is a great story of perspective. And I want to read from 1 Samuel 17, from 1 to 11, and it says this. And this is a great story. Um, in terms of what they saw and what David saw and how he saw things. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sokar, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Sokar and Azekah <laughs> in the um, Ephesus Damim. Yes, my reading and spelling uh, challenges. <laughs> However you say that stuff. And Saul and the men of Israel gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountains 
on the one side and the Israel stood on the mountains on the other side and the valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of bronze and his head on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. I have no idea how heavy that is. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. Poor guy. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me if he is able to fight with me and kill me. And then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against you and I kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, and I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and the Israelites heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And I know for some of you, you wake up every single day and you hear the words of the enemy. Not today. You struggle with fear, anxiety, depression. Not today. It's going to be the same old, same old. And it's like we hear this roar over and over again the minute we get up, the minute we wake up, and we face the giants in our lives and we hear this roar. If it comes. <laughs> can be quite intimidating. you but that sounds pretty scary <laughs> we were camping this weekend and steve was talking about uh, his heroic escapades in in the uh, in the uh, what was it botswana <laughs> i fought lions off with his bare hands <laughs> that was buddhist okay <laughs> but isn't that true how intimidating the roar of the enemy can be. It says he, roar, he, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. You can imagine these Philistines every single day listening there for two weeks of this Philist, this, the, 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 Israel, is the Israelites standing there and, and hearing this voice of this giant taunting them. You've got no chance. You'll never win. And looking at the size of this thing, and I think it's important for us to realize Again, that perspective is everything. You see, the Israelites were standing at, at the bottom looking up at this giant. And it was intimidating. Because they didn't have the perspective that David had. David saw things differently. And I think for some of us, the giants that we're facing are only giants because we're looking at, at them from the wrong direction. We see them as so big. And God is saying, no, you need to shift your perspective and see the things, these giants, in the way that I see them. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 41 to 47, it says this. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with a shield bearer in front of him. 
And when the Philistines looked and saw David, he, he, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistines said to David, Am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds and the air to, uh, and to the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God and armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give your dead bodies to the hosts of the Philistines this day, to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and at that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you give uh, you into our hand. You see, David knew who he was. He knew who was behind him. And I think for some of us, we need to be reminded again of who is behind us in the battles that you're facing. You see, God has called us to stand and he has called us to fight. We need to change our perspective. Some of us are not spending enough time in the Word, so, so we're always thinking, we're always seeing things through a, a humanistic or, a, or, or, or an everyday life situation. And God is saying, you need to see things the way that I see it. I've already won the victory. I've already sealed your freedom. And I've already won the battle. It's the truth that sets us free. You see, the reality for us is this, is that the enemy is relentless. If you think that you're going to go through this Christian life just skimming through and nothing's going to touch you, you're exactly where the enemy wants you to be. The enemy will never stop. He'll never give up. He'll never quit. If you look at this picture, I think it sums it up. He's always coming for you. He's always coming for you. Every single day, every single minute, the enemy is coming for you. He doesn't play fair. He kicks you when, he, when you're down but it's time to stand up and fight. In 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 10, it says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the power, the pro, at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know, Jody was, uh, is, he, is he here? Where did he disappear to? Why don't you come share that, um, that thing on perspective maybe that you, you shared as we chatted before? I think it's key just in terms of confirmation with what God was saying. Cool. So while we were playing soccer on the field and I was lying trying to like figure out if I'm going to, this is going to be the last breath I take. Um, I, <clears throat> it's a pity these windows are frosted, but we sort of have the best view of the mountain, but it's not the best. Um, if you're sitting on top or if you have a house in this area and you look that way, you can actually see Table Mountain. The problem is, in, for most of us, like I was sitting outside in the park and 
I could see glimpses of it. Like I could see a little bit of them and it looked beautiful, it looked clear. But there was a massive double story in, on the other side of the park, so I could only see a part of it. And I just realized that no matter how big Table Mountain is, the further you're away from it, the easier it is for that to be blocked out. So if you're standing in Close Street or at the hill, there can be a massive skyscraper, but you'll still see Table Mountain. But the further you get away from it, um, you can be behind a car, and it'll block the whole of Table View. So I just, the perspective thing I just said, and it kind of confirmed what Carl was saying. Yeah. Amen. That was awesome. So how do we stand up and fight? How do we get back in the fight? How do we reposition ourselves in where God wants us to be in terms of the table that's laid before us? How do we respond and say, God, we're tired of being in the background. We're tired of, we're tired of feeling like we're always losing. We're tired of feeling like we're defeated. Um, and it really comes down to this. And it's about the armor of God in Ephesians 6 verse 10 to 18. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We know that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the day, in the evil day. And having done all to, all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes at your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer, supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. If you look at this picture, that's not me. <laughs> I think this is the reality of, of, of what we look like sometimes. We know in our minds that God has done everything for us, but we're really just a skeleton with the armor on. And I think one of the distractions of, of the enemy is, to, is through busyness and all this kind of thing is that we want to stand firm. We realize that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We know that the enemy is relentless. And the best thing that he can do is keep us looking like that. We've got no meat on the bones. We're not feeding our spiritual lives. We're not in the word every day. We're not praying. We're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not walking in the things of God. And all the enemy hears is when we walk is this rattling. And we know where. Do you think he's fit for fighting? <laughs> Definitely not. And we don't want to look like that. You know, there's a saying um, in terms of eating disorders, and it's called muscle atrophy. And this often takes place is when people are not eating enough, what happens is the, the, the muscles begin to, to wither and shrink. And um, it becomes harder and harder uh, to move. And the muscle mass starts wasting away. And whether we like it or not, this is what happens to us. If we're not in the Word, if we're not preparing ourselves, and we're not standing in the front and coming to the front line and saying, God, I'm going to fight, the enemy is relentless, and he will take every single opportunity to take you out. If we accept the lie that you'll always be depressed, 
that you'll always suffer from anxiety, that you'll always be sick, that you'll never break through, that this stronghold in your life is, is never going to break. We continue to listen to the lies of the enemy. If we're not reading the word of God and the renewing of our minds, we're going to stay in the, in, in, in the recovery reward. And um, these are key scriptures in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 4. And this is, I'm reading a lot of scripture, but it's the truth that sets us free. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not, not of flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And then again, Revelation 12 verse 11 says, They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives unto death. You see, I think one of the biggest strategies of the enemy is, is, is some of us are holding so tightly onto this life. We're holding so tightly onto this life. We're giving fear a place in our lives. We're scared of COVID. We're scared of all these things. And God says, no, I've come to give you life and give you, give you life in abundance. But we're holding so tightly onto this life that we've forgotten that we've given our lives to Christ. Paul says, for me to, how does it go? For me to die? Yes, to die for me, for, for, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. He says this in Philippians 1 verse 22 to 21. He says, and it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be able to be ashamed, at, at all ashamed. But with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. There we go. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's an old saying um, in terms of maritime, uh, not law, but in, in the old days where, where you had the pirates and, and the ships and they were at war. And there's this phrase that talks about nailing your colors to the mast. And what used to happen was even when the ship was going down and the, and the, 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 the sailors decided that we, we're not going to give up, what they would do is they would nail their colors to the mast to show that the enemy, that even if we go down, even if we fail, we're going to fight until our last breath. We're not going to give up. And there is this, uh, this, this poem, whether it's a poem or a saying by a, a Christian martyr many, many years ago. And this really inspired me um, in terms of my Christian walk as a young Christian. And it goes like this. Maybe I want us to stand as, as, as I read this. And it's really about Not giving up and determining in our hearts as Christians to say, I'm not going to be lying on the ground anymore in a defeated position. Some of us have been in the recovery room for far too long. We've got comfortable there. We've been wounded in battle and we've gone back and we've been sitting in the recovery room and we've got comfortable there. The beds feel nice and we've long forgotten the war cries of the front line. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. Some of you have, have, have fallen, slain on the battlefield and you didn't give up. Some of the people you know and friends have fallen in front of you and you didn't go to rescue them or pick them up again. God is calling us to go and fetch those who've fallen. To step out of our comfort zones and saying, God, you're calling me. You, you, you want to use me. You want to thrust us forward to reach those who have fallen. But God is calling us back to the front line to fight 
and say, I'm not, no longer from this day forward will I accept living in defeat. I'm coming back to the front line. And it goes like this. It says, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his and I won't look back. Let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done with and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living and dwarfed goals. I no longer need uh, preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, lifted by prayer and labored by the Holy Spirit's power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road may be narrow. My way rough. My companions few. My guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, nor ponder in the pool of popularity, nor meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, I won't shut up or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus, a warrior in the fight. I must give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he does come for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. You see, tonight there's two voices in our heads right now. And I just love this picture because it's so true. There's one who roars and one who calls. You see, this is the truth. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sins, but he calls you by name. If you felt challenged by what I've said tonight, and you feel that perhaps you've been in the recovery ward for far too long, or you've been slain on the battlefield, you know that in your Christian life, you pretty much look more like that skeleton than, than a robust, fit, a robust uh, fit soldier full of the presence of God. I really believe that tonight as God's been working in our lives, that it's time to come back and stand on the front line and say, God, no more, no longer. I'm standing up to fight because of what you have done. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I know who is behind me. I will no longer listen to the lies of the enemy that is going to keep me back and keep me from where you want me to be. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sins, but he calls you by your name. Is God calling your name tonight? Will you respond? How sick and tired of being sick and tired are you? How much do you desire and hunger for breakthrough? If that's you tonight, I want you to respond. I want you to come stand in the front and we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for God to move in your life, for strongholds to be broken, 
for you to be set free, for you to step into what God has for you. If that's you, I want, to, I want you, maybe the worship team can come up. Are you going to position yourself at the table and eat all that God has for you? Let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that tonight we're reminded that you've already won the victory. That the power of sin and death has been conquered. And Lord, that that lion roaring really doesn't have any teeth. I thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for us, that we could live in freedom. Lord, that your word says that we can live a life of abundance. But Father, for some of us, we've been listening to the lies of the enemy. We've allowed him to change our perspective. We've been listening to the roaring of the giants in our lives. But Father, tonight, help us to see things the way that you see it. That that giant is very small because of the power of what you've done. And so Father, I pray that even as this music plays, Lord, that, that you would help us that you'd give us the boldness to respond to you and say, Lord, tonight is the night. Tonight is the night that I stand back on the battlefield of life. Tonight is the night that I say no more. I'm going to fight for the things that you have for me. For we realize that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, Lord. So we do understand, Lord, that there's a responsibility from us and there's a response from our side to stand and fight. If that's you tonight, why don't you just come forward? If you need in prayer, if you're feeling that you, you need something broken in your life, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The train is moving.